I know what you're going to say. What, about it being fall? Yeah, and I hate it. You're going to be like, burr, it's cold in here. I hate it. I, I need hate it. fall to get out of here. I hate it. Keep your pumpkin spice away from my frosted margarita. I don't want it. I don't <laughs> want it. I'm cold. I don't care for pumpkin spice, but I actually really enjoy fall. I mean, oh, yeah, you. Is your name Ashley spelled with an E-I-G-H? <laughs> okay, Ashley, put on your winter boots and your floppy hat, and let's go to the pumpkin patch and go apple picking. <laughs> <sighs> Hello, dumb bitches, and anybody else who happened to accidentally wander onto this podcast. Welcome to Obsessive Disappeared, and uh, this is the podcast where Joey gives me fashion advice, and I complain about you the weather. You are dressed a little bit like a cowgirl in the fall. Okay, I did, there when was, you walked there in, I did want to say, there's a snake in my boot. There it was. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we recap IDs Disappeared episode by episode. We're getting to the end, my friend. We are. Do you think we should tell the people what we're doing? Yeah, we're canceling the show. Bye. Love you. Thank Thank you guys. Just kidding. <laughs> Announcements to come. But if you want more Joey and I in your ears, this is a great time to join the Patreon because apparently we are maniacs. <laughs> People have been messaging us saying like, you guys are doing your best work right now on that Patreon. I think it's because we really just like, you know, we're getting to do all these, you know, fun, wacky, wacky shows. We are smack dab in the middle of I Almost Got Away With It. We had Pink Collar Crimes. And you can get back episodes of Snap and See No Evil and Evil Lives Here. Remember Fear Thy Neighbor? Remember that other woman who went here? Uh, barely. <laughs> but remember how dark Fear Thy Neighbor oh, was? But honey. we somehow got through it. Anyway, you can go to our website and click the Patreon link and you can instantly get over 100 episodes that you can download and binge. And what else? Yeah, you get first crack at merch. You get first crack at tickets for our live shows. Which have been so fun. Now, yes. we have had such a blast on the road. Should we go to more cities? I think we're going to go back out on the road. All right. I think we should just do it permanently. We should just be like share. We yeah. should just keep on doing reunion tours and just keep yeah. going to cities. Watch out, Tucson. Here we come. We're going to go to racing. <laughs> anyway, should we get to the episode? I think so. Season 9, Episode 5, Born This Way, tells the story of the disappearance of Sage Smith. A lifelong journey of self-discovery puts a teen at risk. He was an African-American, he was male, and he was gay. Why go out of your way to hurt someone just because they're a little different? When a beloved son and brother goes missing, clues build into a confounding mystery. Quite odd for somebody to just disappear off the face of the earth on one of the busiest streets in your community. My child out there, I gotta find my baby. Secret connections are exposed. Why would you run unless you did this? And a family pleads for answers. What make one life more important than the next life? A life is a life. We just want to know what happened so that we can sleep at night. We're going to talk about a couple things before we dive in yeah. here. I called Joey last night, and uh, we didn't really like plan what we were going to say or what we are going to talk about. Well, we know we want to talk about something before we dive in. So in this episode, Sage Smith is a transgender woman. Yes. And this family is lovely. But they do dead name Sage, uh, which we're going to choose not to mention or speak about yeah. because I have a little bit of more research. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, there? no, I saw that Facebook post yeah. where Sage said, I am a woman now. Please respect that. And the family in the beginning of this episode, they talk a lot about Sage's gender and her pronouns and how she liked to be addressed. But they were like, we don't really think that Sage cared about how we addressed her. But I do think that Sage isn't here to tell her story mm -hmm. or her preferred anything. Yeah. And we're going to go by her Facebook post and respect that she said, I'm a woman. Yeah. Please respect that. So we are going to refer to Sage as Sage and use she, her pronouns. Right. The reason we mention this is that in the most delicate way possible, there are people who misgender Sage in the documentary. Yeah. I would like to say I don't think that is out of a no. lack of love or respect. It's not malicious. But a little bit of lack of 
of understanding because it appears that at one point Sage did appear to live sort of a non-binary lifestyle. Yes. But it does seem like when she went out on her own that she then, you know, fully was living in her power as a woman. And I am going to reiterate, this family loves this woman. Yeah, there truly. is no doubt. But we want to respect the story. We want to respect the family. But there are parts of the show that they misgender her and call her by her dead name. We're not going to do that. But if you do watch the episode, we just want you to be aware that that does happen. Just moving forward. This is our plan. Yeah. Full respect for this family and everyone involved. Respecting gender identity is complicated, but it is crucial. But again, Sage isn't here to tell us her preferences. We only can go by her Facebook post. Yep. So it's she, her for us. November 20th, 2012. As Thanksgiving approaches... The first chill of winter blusters through Charlottesville, Virginia. Sage Smith is at home, getting ready for a date. At 19 years old, Sage is finally living life out loud and proud as a transgender person. So it is November 20th, 2012. Great year for music? Or, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to Lots speak. of Kesha. Uh, <laughs> Lots of Kesha. <laughs> We're in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, and it's the night before Thanksgiving, and Sage's grandmother... Her name is Lolita Cookie Smith. Yep, and right off the bat, you can see how much this woman loved Sage. Let me just say, Lolita Cookie Smith is absolutely one of the down bitches of the episode. I'm a real bitch. Uh, that's right. And she is here, and not for nothing, but she has these gorgeous purple braids. And we learned that Sage really loved hair and makeup. And I was like, well, apples and trees. Grandma (laughs) Grandma Cookie came dressed for this interview. I love you, Grandma Cookie. She's going to break our hearts. And let me say, she comes out one of the most understanding people in the episode. And so Grandma Cookie says this. I really didn't know anything about transgender or anything I just knew, you know, like gay or bisexual or something. I'm from the old school. So I'm learning and I'm still learning. So another reason to love Grandma Cookie because you know what? Be open to learning. Mm -hmm. Not subscribing to the idea that you know it all and that there's nothing more you need to know. It really robs you of empathy. Yeah. If you think you know it all, you cannot put yourself in someone else's shoes. You just can't. Grandma Cookie represents a demographic of people who are, don't, quite understand, but just know that like you just got to love and move on and change and evolve. Grandma Cookie is a down bitch. That's right. We need more cookies in the world. Yeah. That's so multi-layered. We need more cookies. Now, growing up in Virginia, I, I guess, let me start over. I, I'm i not going to speak for you. I would imagine growing up gay anywhere is challenging. Yeah. Growing up gay and transgender, another challenge. Also, Sage was black. Yeah. And then growing up in a place like Charlottesville. Now, while Charlottesville is statistically a liberal part of Virginia, historically, that area of Virginia is less than forgiving. So I would imagine that Sage had some troubles and challenges. Absolutely. But Deshad's mom and his two younger sisters saw that the kids in the neighborhood weren't as tolerant. The kids were very mean to him. One time when Deshad was trying to um, fit in and try to play football, they urinated on his jersey. I remember him being hurt over the situation. I was really confused of why people would do things like that. Like, why go out of your way to hurt someone just because they're a little different, you know? Sister Iana is here. And even though this family is very loving and accepting, Sister Iana explains that that's not how it was in school. Yeah. Because at one point, Sage tried to play football. And y'all... Take a seat for this one. The kids urinated on her jersey, which is traumatizing. I mean, bullying is a form of abuse. And, like, the experience of being bullied, that can cause lasting, you know, damage to victims. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is so, so upsetting. But I will say that Sage was so 
fortunate mm-hmm. to have her family yeah. who rallied around her yeah. in a way that not a lot of people get in general, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, should we sit and talk about our trauma for five seconds? Oh, God, or should we who's got on? the time? Uh, t- also, we learned that Sage was really close to Grandma Cookie, so much so that Sage came out to her first, and Grandma Cookie was like, okay, pass the piece. <laughs> like, she, Grandma Cookie was like, I know, I have eyeballs, and yeah. I live on the earth. I don't care, baby. I love you. No, I will say for the record, if someone comes out to you, please don't say, I already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to hear that because it also makes us feel like you were, I don't know, like speculating it behind our back. It was in the sense that she was like, I love you. Yes. I don't care. You're my baby. It was very sweet. Yeah. Oh, totally not malicious. But I will say as a gay person, all you really need to say is great. I see you. I accept you. You never actually I love came you. out to me, so give me a chance. Go ahead. Hey, Ellen. Uh-huh. I have something to tell you. Uh-huh. You're gay as Christmas. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. You're gay as caroling and Brian Park on I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I respect you. I'm sorry. Tell me. I'm sorry. What? I... Spew Lady Gaga. <laughs> Coming out to other family members wasn't as easy. Sage's father, Dean, separated from his mom, Latasha, shortly after Sage was born. Dean is a manly man. It upset him that his number one seed was gay. It's like a crushing feeling to me. You know, you fear what you don't understand, and I had no understanding of that. Sage's mom, Latasha, and their dad, Dean, had been separated pretty much Sage's whole life. And most of the family was very accepting of Sage initially, but Sage's dad, Dean, he had a hard time with it. Yeah. Because Sage had said, I'm not just gay, I'm also transgendered. And that is a complicated one-two punch for some people. And so Dean is here and he says, you know what? You fear what you don't understand. And I had no understanding of this, what it meant to be gay, what it means to be transgendered. So at first he told Sage, stay away from me. Do not call me. Said a lot of hurtful things. And this man's face is covered in regret. Mm-hmm. It's Ab- all over him. Yeah. I thought actually what he said was very astute. You yeah. know, we fear what you don't. I was like, yeah. I mean, again, that is just an underlying factor of why our country is so divided and so confused because there's things we just, you know, don't understand. And then people, you know, leave hatred. Papa Dean really upset me in the beginning. It's all going to come around. But they reconciled because Dean's youngest son was like, hey, remember all those lessons about like love and acceptance you taught us? How about we hold a mirror up and you take those lessons? And Papa Dean was like, oh, shit. You are right. And he went out of his way to reconcile with Sage, apologize for the hurt feelings, and try to repair, which, you know, not just for men, but you know the three hardest things to say. Yeah. I've said them before. You remember, what are they? I am sorry. Uh huh. I was wrong. Oh, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And come on. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> I've said this before. I know some down bitches in the car repeated oh, it with me. God it's love true. you for thinking I pay attention to you. So. <laughs> so now we meet Shakira Washington. Who... Look at the numbers so small and You guys, as soon as I started singing that, Joey started shimmying his shoulders. Look at the numbers so I'm sorry. I love that You know what? My favorite Shakira song is? She has another one? Oh, my God. (laughs) Open up and set her free. You don't know that song? Is that really Shakira? Yeah. I have no idea. It's like every time they try to translate her lyrics to English, it always doesn't work out. It's not quite right. (laughs) (laughs) So Shakira and Sage have been best friends since middle school. And imagine finding someone in middle school in Charlottesville, Virginia, who's just like you. Yeah. Beyond family, Sage has close friends who have helped make his journey from Deshad to Sage less isolating. Sage and Shakira Washington have been tight since middle school and supported each other through their transitions. The fact that we just grew up young to older, we experienced a lot of days. We went to prom together. So our relationship was just everything. They were 
best yeah. friends. And they helped each other through their transitions. They even went to prom together. Yeah. And after Sage graduated high school in March of 2012, she moved into her own place. Right. And she shared it with two other trans women, one Shakira, and the other one was named Aubrey. Yes. And we learned that Sage was a good time gal. She was social. She was friendly. I actually read an article that said she was like really, really fun, but loved to do good deeds. Aww. But like she would be in a mini skirt and like help an old man across <laughs> the street. And she loved doing good deeds, but she also loved like, you know, being like, come uh, on, Papa, I'm yeah. going to walk you across the street. A little salacious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Also, Grandma Cookie says, let me tell you, you could not tell Sage that she couldn't dance. And I'm like, honey, same, same, same. <laughs> to me, I look like Michael Jackson on the dance floor. Yeah. To the world, I look like an injured ostrich. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> make it make sense. Look at that guy. Is that is that an ostrich? <laughs> oh, my God. Is that an ostrich? He looks like an ostrich. How did you get in here, ostrich? <laughs> like, I got an ID. Anyway. So. We also learned that Sage loves to do makeup and hair, and she was in cosmetology school. She wanted to be a hairdresser. Yeah, and she practiced on her friends at home. So this gets us to November 20th, which is it's Thanksgiving Eve. Yep. The next day, Sage planned on going home to surprise her family. A few family members knew, and they were very excited. But on this night, Sage is getting ready for her date. Yeah. Now, best friend Shakira was out of town, but the other roommate, Aubrey, was asleep on the couch. Was the couch all for him? Hey, Joey, guess what? So it's 5.40, and we learned that Sage went up to Aubrey and was like, hey, I'm heading out on a date. Now, I also found this in my research. The girls were very careful. You know, they were no dummies to what the world was like. Absolutely. So they all really had their backs because a lot of them dated. This is not a secret. I found this, you know, in my research. These three women dated a lot of men in a down-low kind of way. Yes. Men that weren't out. That was a way that they sort of dated and had sexual partners. So they were all very careful. They had texting. They would stop by. Yeah. I mean, so the fact that Sage would have woken Aubrey up to be like, hey, I'm going on a date. This is where I'm going was very commonplace for them. All to say they were very careful to the point where I read an article that said that Shakira once followed Sage on a date because she was just that nervous. Wow. So they had each other's backs. Yeah. It would appear. The next morning, Aubrey wakes up and discovers that Sage never came home. When he tries Sage's cell phone, it goes straight to voicemail, which friends and family say is unusual. Sage's cell phone was glued to her ear. She was always on that cell phone. And she took her charger everywhere. So, like you said, she woke up Aubrey at 5.40, said, I'm going out, I'll be back that evening. Well, the next day, Aubrey wakes up and Sage never came home. Yeah. So she tries calling Sage, but it goes straight to voicemail. And anybody who knows Sage, family or friend, knows that never happens. Yeah. So Aubrey called a couple friends, and she got in touch with Kiara, who was Sage's stepsister, and was like, oh, actually, I did. I bumped into Sage on Main Street last night about 6.30. She was on the phone, and uh, you know what? She said on the phone, she was like, I'll be there in five minutes, but she didn't know who she was talking to. Yeah. So Kiara told Aubrey, that was at about 6.30. I hope that helps you a little bit. And that was the last person to see Sage. Yeah. So roommate Aubrey calls Grandma Cookie. Grandma Cookie felt in her bones like something is not right and so she's like I think you should call the police and that's what Aubrey does yeah and it's Thanksgiving remember yeah so they begin the missing persons report and they investigate now we hear from Detective Jim Mooney who's like the the investigator and he also learned, he was like, it's really unusual for Sage not to be in contact with people. Same. And Mama Latasha was like, yeah, that's the thing. She was always calling and texting. Now, Mama Latasha doesn't want to worry her younger sisters or say anything about Sage because she's like, well, if she shows up, it's Thanksgiving. I don't want anyone to worry. But the girls find out anyway. This is really sad. But a post on Facebook reveals the truth to Sage's sisters before Latasha can. And I saw a post saying, have you seen Deshaun? And I was just confused, like, nothing made sense in the moment. I remember my face was just so hot, and I didn't understand. I felt like this could only happen 
it's only on TV. Like, how could this happen to us? Yeah, the sisters see a Facebook post that says, has anyone seen Sage? If you have, call this number. She's missing. And the sisters are like, Mom, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Social media. Oh, we love you. And we hate you. It's how we... I, found my gra- I found out my grandfather died. Oh, God. It's the fucking worst. It is the worst. It's a great way to stay connected and a great way to feel inadequate and break your heart sometimes. Yeah. Too. So now Lieutenant Jim says, look, we were concerned that Sage might have been targeted for being trans. You know, Lieutenant Jim uses a term, uh, sexual gender, which is 100% not a thing. But I got the feeling that he is... He actually cares and is trying. So he I'm going to give him a pass really on does. that. Yeah. But sexual gender is not a thing. Right. I liked he was being really accountable. He's like, I don't have a lot of experience dealing with the transgender community. Yeah. But I know what a hate crime is. Yeah. You know, he's not a bad guy. He's no. really not. No. And so first thing investigators do is try to figure out the timeline of right. that evening with a focus on who was Sage talking to on that phone? Yeah. So the cops subpoenaed the phone records. Now, Papa Dean is all of us because Papa Dean was like, I understand you have to go through protocol, but I need you to understand that I need to find my child. So I'm going to get this information whatever way I can yep. because you guys can do everything the legal way. I'm going to fucking do some shit. He sure does. I was like, Papa Dean, we would be best friends. Sage's family does some digging of their own. By guessing Sage's password, they are able to access his cell phone records. My daughter went into Sage's account and found the last people that Sage had contact with. The last communication to Sage is from an out-of-state area code that's unfamiliar to everyone in his family. Honey, the family rallies around a computer, and the sister is like, I'm going to guess her password. And they do. I've done it. I have done that. Same. I, I have guessed someone's password. Same. Have you really? I yeah. mean, this was before you needed capitals. Right. And this was like many, many years ago when people didn't use like ampersands and shit and exclamation points. Mine was an X. Mine was an X too. Oh my God. It was like before I was married, like an Are old, we old X. Better, better than, than everyone? everyone? <laughs> uh, but, no, but seriously, what are your passwords? <laughs> Wait, am I not supposed to tell you that? Oh, shut up. Uh, So they guess Sage's password. They're able to get into her phone records, find the number for the last conversation Sage had on her phone, and they're like, I don't recognize this number. Do you know this number? Yeah. We don't know this number, but we about to blow it the fuck up. Blew it the fuck up. They went to Down Bitch University, and they minored with, I got the time and the rollover fucking minutes. (laughs) They were like, let's fucking go. So the cops are like, trying to figure everything out. And so they try and get, like, surveillance. And it's 2012. There's just not a lot of cameras. And even though Papa Dean, we got a rough start with Papa Dean, his Down Bitch maneuvers are are high-key amazing. Honey, he graduated from DB University with a minor and ain't no secrets till my kid comes home. Yeah. So the number that he'd been trying to call, it was giving a weird outgoing message. So he took that phone number, posted it on Facebook, and said, if anybody knows this number, let me know because this is the last number that dialed my child's phone. Yep. I need to know who this is. Yeah, and he, he was, got a DM. Oh, yeah. He was not about to find out. He was like, let's go fuck around. Another transgender friend of Sage named Yumi was like, I know who that guy is. You know what that guy's name is? Eric, Eric McFadden. McFadden. And then Papa Dean was like, huh, you don't say. Let's put his picture on Facebook and fucking find him. So we learn that Eric and Sage had been dating. The only problem was... Eric had a girlfriend. And wasn't out. Yeah. And she had no idea. Yeah. So Dad Dean is thinking at this point, okay, this guy has done something to my child. Yeah. Because if he was in the closet, not out, and God forbid something did get out, that is motive. Yeah. To hurt my child. Yeah. And Papa Dean plastered his picture everywhere. The rage you feel when you think your child is in danger, 
it's inexplicable. He was like, I don't care. Privacy laws. I don't care. And he knew if the cops found out, and he's absolutely right. The cops would have been like, hubbub, hubbub. Don't do anything. He's like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of jail. I'm not scared of any of these things because I'm going to do this my way. I get it. Yeah, he was not about to let the cops interfere with his search. But two days later, on November 24th, Charlottesville police find out about McFadden without Dean's help when a 20-year-old student at the University of Virginia named Esther Ayeni contacts them to report McFadden missing. Esther made a request that they conduct a welfare check for her boyfriend because she hadn't been able to reach him all day on the 24th and his phone was going straight to voicemail. Charlottesville police end up finding out about Eric McFadden. Yeah, and Papa Dean was like, I knew this two days ago, you sons of bitches. <laughs> I've known about Eric McFadden for two days. So Esther is Eric's girlfriend. She was out of town for Thanksgiving, hadn't been able to get in touch with him. His phone was going straight to voicemail, and she asked the cops to do a welfare check to make sure something didn't happen to him there. Yeah. And an officer goes to the apartment, no one's home. So then Yami, you know that person who messaged Papa Dean, goes to the police and was like, like, uh, here's everything I know about Eric McFadden. So they make a missing persons poster with pictures of Sage and Eric named as a person of interest. Yeah. So this is when the Charlottesville police figure out, oh, these two are connected. Yeah. So here's the thing. Eric McFadden, he's left town. He hasn't shown up for work, hasn't responded to his girlfriend. So the fact that he ran away mm-hmm. does not look good for him. Does. Why would you run? Why would you run? Yeah. So Esther gives them permission to go search the house. So they do. They search the home for DNA, for fingerprints. Yeah. They look through Eric's computer. And they found a CVS receipt that was local to the Charlottesville area. And it was dated the 22nd. Now, originally they were like, Okay, so I thought that maybe if he did something to Sage, he would have, like, skipped town. The but night up. The, the night 20th. up. But no, he's definitely been in town. But what did happen on the 22nd was his name, his picture was blasted all over Facebook. And the outed. cops, Yeah. The cops didn't really put that together because they don't really know about that piece of the puzzle. And investigators even get security footage from McFadden's visit to CVS, which we see. Yeah. And it was him. And it was him. Yeah. So detectives then questioned Sage's roommates to find out what they know about Eric McFadden. And I found this weird because, like, girls talk. We love to talk. Boys talk. And Shakira was like, actually, I'd never heard of Eric McFadden. I was like, huh. People keep secrets. You have a secret to tell me? I have a few that I'll never tell you. Do you really? Absolutely. <gasps> You have secrets from me that you'll never tell me. I don't think I do. I don't have intentional secrets. If there's something I haven't told you, maybe I haven't told you, but I don't have an intentional secret from me. Do you have an intentional secret from me? No, I was just kidding. (gasps) Oh! Play some elevator music while we pause. Y'all, well, she just, tell me. I paused she the just paused the recording, <laughs> looked me dead in my eye and goes, do you have something you want to tell me? I did. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't. Oh, my God. I I'll really... tell him to the good Lord when I see him the day I go to the pearly gates. I try to think. I really don't think I do. If, yeah. it, if it was, it was, wow, you're evil. No, no, it's no, no. It's true nothing what, evil. It's true what they all say on the secret Facebook page that we made about you. Yeah, gay people are terrible. Wow. Yeah. So... <laughs> So even though best friend Shakira doesn't know anything about Eric, Aubrey was like, yeah, I met him once, like on Main Street. And it was brief. But then police finally get Sage's cell phone records, and they can confirm what the family already knew. Yeah, the family's <laughs> like, what did <laughs> you was, sound like? They're like, bitch, we've known that for a whole week. Yeah. The call history confirms that McFadden was indeed the last person to call Sage at 6.36 p.m. More importantly... Detectives can see the actual text messages that Eric McFadden sent to Sage minutes before his last phone call to him. He's basically communicating to him, where are you? I'm here, I'm waiting five more minutes and then I'm leaving. And then finally, bye, you stood me up. It appeared based on the text messages that they did not meet up. McFadden was the last person to call Sage at 6.36 p.m. the night she went missing. But also, they can see the text messages that were exchanged. So in order to clear McFadden, 
Police need to speak with him. Yeah. But he's still MIA. Why wouldn't you clear your name? Yeah. That's always the question. So Detective Regine Wright Settle is here. She's from the Charlottesville police. And she's like, it doesn't seem like they met up. But then, wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles. God took a tailor by the hand. Tell me what musical that is from. November 27th. Eric McFadden calls the police. He's like, oh, hey, how are you guys? Did you guys, were you like looking for me or something? I'm not in Charlottesville anymore. No, you know what? I've always wanted to go to New York. So I just thought I would catch a bus there at peak season, which is Thanksgiving. Not tell anyone because I have been dying to go to the Empire State Building. And he's all like, NYC. Yeah, he, he was like, New York, New York, a wonderful town. The Bronx is up and the battery's <laughs> down, honey. <laughs> like, what? And he did the only, it seems like the only truth that he told was that he admitted that he and Sage had a sexual relationship and that they did have plans, but she never showed. He's also like, also, I have a girlfriend. Please don't tell anyone. Yeah, they're like, of course, we already knew you had a sexual relationship with her, dummy. Tell us something we don't know. Yeah. So, right. They were supposed to meet in front of the Amtrak station on Main Street. Sage never showed. So McFadden agrees to come back to town to talk to police. Gives them a date and a time. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to catch the bus. The bus? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm going to catch the bus. And so a couple days later, he shows up. Kidding. Of course not. He fucking ghosts them. And again, Grandma Cookie says this. If you have nothing to hide, yeah. why would you come back and clear your name? Listen, hire a lawyer. You know, yeah. bring a lawyer. You never know. Lawyer up. But if you have nothing to hide, go and, now, and, and tell them. Now, here's what I want to say. I'm going to give McFadden a little bit of slack. Because okay. if you grew up a gay man in an environment where you could not be gay, mm-hmm. and there's so much shame surrounding mm-hmm. it, facing all of that would be quite difficult. However, if somebody is missing, yeah. if somebody's life is at stake... If you have information that you can help a grieving family, you better figure it out. Yeah. But I will say the shame around being a closeted gay man, I have felt it. I have been there. It can be debilitating. However, when someone's life is on the line, get the fuck over yourself. Suspicions intensify when investigators get a visit from McFadden's girlfriend, Esther Ayeni. She received an email from McFadden describing the night Sage went missing and the story McFadden tells Esther veers 180 degrees from the one he told investigators. He said that he had, in fact, met with Sage and that they were walking when some other people showed up. He just said that Sage had many enemies and he got out of there. So three days later, his girlfriend Esther goes to the police and she was like, hey guys, I got this email from Eric and I think you want to see it. So Eric wrote an email, which don't write this shit in emails because you uh, talk about your shit on the phone. But anyway, he was like, yes, I did meet up with Sage and he. That's that's not what this one is. This is the one where he says he was being black. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Go. Oh, wow. Sorry. Okay. Oh, so now you're just going to mansplain it to us. Honestly, I'm not going to argue with that. I had that coming. And he also said that Sage had a lot of enemies, which is a little contradictory to what we learned. I mean, no one's got perfect relationships with everyone, yeah. but Sage was really well loved. And he also says that Sage had been blackmailing him because he wasn't out. Yeah, so my question is, if that is true... Why wouldn't you, from wherever you are, forward the emails, the texts, a screenshot, anything, forward that to the police to be like, here's my proof. Why would you do that? And, I mean, all of those lies. So you did meet up with her, and then also somebody came and attacked her, and then you walked away? Who does that? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're you're just proving to be, number one, a liar, and number two, like, a shit rocket. A piece of shit. (laughs) Shit. It's true. So they were like, well, thank you for that email. Now we're going to, you know, get warrants for the email, the bank records, the social media, the computer. So they dive into Sage's emails, which the thought of that, shudder. Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, my stars. Honey, yeah, I've got some embarrassing emails that I still have from my 20s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all there. Oh, yeah. Please don't hack mine. (laughs) Detectives sort through Sage's social media and emails 
and discover crucial new information about Sage's previous dating partners, including reasons why Sage might have been at risk. It appeared a lot of these men were living down low. Um, they didn't want people to know their alternative lifestyle. According to friends, a few months before Sage vanished, one of these secret relationships was exposed when a man's girlfriend discovered his emails to Sage. A man that she had been seeing who was extremely on the DL had a girlfriend and was outed when his girlfriend found an email that Sage had sent him. And he blamed Sage for being outed. And one night while Sage was walking home, that man assaulted her. Yeah. Ugh. And charges were pressed. And so obviously they looked into that man. And Shakira was like, he actually had an ironclad alibi. And I was like, oh, really? What was his alibi? He was working at the Lens Crafters. No. And then she said, he was incarcerated. I was like, ah, yeah. Good alibi. Turns out prison is a rock solid alibi. Good alibi. So police are keeping an eye out at this time on Sage's credit cards. And two weeks after her disappearance, Please get a hit. Yeah, and they're so excited. It was at a store, so they're like, great, we're going to cross-reference. We're going to look at the security footage. And it was Aubrey Carson, Sage's roommate. Yeah, that does not look great for her, and cops become very suspicious. So does the family. So they bring Aubrey in for questioning, and she told Detective Regine that she used it to buy food. And that's the type of relationship she had with Sage. She said, we shared everything, including that credit card. Now, here's the thing. That is really fucking weird. However, if she maybe didn't have a job, she said I was getting food and she was desperate, I could see her being like, I know this is, could look bad or whatever, but I need to eat. I don't know. There are people in this world and I am looking right at you. You are like my brother. And if you used my credit card, even if you asked and I said yes and I forgot, like, that's weird. Yeah. And especially since she was missing. Yeah. Uh, who shares credit cards? If you said, I need you to buy me lunch, that's fine. But like, if you were like, hey, I went into your bag and took your card and got a Coke slushie, I'd be like, you what? Well, that's so weird. I mean, it may be weird to us, but if they did have that type of relationship, I mean, I have shared some weird things with friends. She said that they like kept the debit card like in the house and they all, I don't yeah, know. It that... doesn't look great. So two months go by, no new developments until February of 2013. Police received a report from a Monica Williams, which says she's known Sage for several years. Monica Williams says that she saw and spoke to Sage that night at the Wild Wings Cafe on Main Street. Monica Williams reported that she saw him around 7 p.m. in the restaurant by himself, that he told her that he was waiting for someone. Monica says Sage never mentioned who he was meeting. A few minutes later, she left him at the bar alone. And she says, I saw her at 7 p.m. We chatted for a second and then I left. They were like, okay, we need to add this to the timeline. Yeah. So stay with me here. So if at 6.27 p.m., Eric McFadden had texted Sage saying, I'm leaving, you stood me up. And then at 6.36, stepsister Kiara spoke to Sage on Main Street while she was on the phone with Eric McFadden. Sage would have had time to meet Eric between seeing sister Kiara and friend Monica Williams. That does make sense. So it's possible that Sage had met with McFadden, left him, and gone to Wild Wings Cafe to meet with other people. I don't know what you just said because that was so confusing, but game's up, Scarlet. There are no bullets left in that gun. Oh, come on. You don't think I'm going to fall for that old trick? It's not a trick. There was one shot of Mr. Body in the study, two for the chandelier, two in the lounge of the door, and one for the singing telegram. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. No, uh, that's one plus two plus one plus one. Even if you were right, there'll be one plus two plus two plus one, not two plus two. Shut up! <laughs> that's literally what you just sounded like to me. <laughs> I turned off. But that was honestly great work. Thank you. Really great podcasting work. That wasn't easy. Yeah, I know. That was not easy for me. There's one bullet left and guess who's going to get it? (laughs) The point is that that account from Monica Williams could clear Eric McFadden. Now, my question is, Monica, where the fuck have you been? Yeah, and also, where are you now? Why didn't you bring that up sooner? So, investigators speak with Wild Wings Cafe management who says they... Remember some transgender women coming in the cafe, which really made me feel weird. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. But they can't say if it was Sage or not. 
and they couldn't get security footage because there was none. The fuck. <laughs> so now the truth was it is recorded over. Was it recorded over? Oh, they're like, oh no, we just never bothered. We to never get had it. it. We didn't plug it in. So Sorry. the disappearance is an absolute mystery. Yeah, and also remember Eric McFadden? He never came back. Yeah, yeah. So now it's been months since Sage's disappearance. Ten months. Her family is devastated. They yeah. have no answers. They agonize over what could have happened, what might have happened. I mean, same. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I feel like I say that every fucking episode. I know. But it's true. Almost 10 months into the missing person investigation of Sage Smith, another Virginia teen disappears from Charlottesville. Hannah Graham, student at the University of Virginia, went missing. The search efforts for Hannah Graham were massive, bigger than anything the Commonwealth of Virginia has ever seen. Literally, people showed up at our doorstep within hours of her disappearance being reported to aid in searches. The search for Hannah Graham becomes the most expensive and intensive in Virginia state history. And another young woman by the name of Hannah Graham went missing. Now, there was a massive, massive Huge. search. We're talking thousands of people. It was Volunteers. At, yeah, it was the most expensive search in Virginia history. Yeah. And sadly, 36 days later, Hannah's remains were discovered. Now, the family of Sage says how sorry they are for Hannah and her family. But most certainly, they did not get that type of support from their community in the search for Sage and how incredibly hurtful and painful that was. Yeah, and... Not just painful, unfair for Sage. Yeah, and also Grandma Cookie broke my heart right here. Yeah. What make one life more important than the next life? A life is a life. Why did a thousand media trucks show up for Hannah Graham and only a few for Sage's case? That's a societal problem that we have. A lot of people need to ask those questions, why these cases were treated differently. Now, I called you last night yeah. about this piece because, you know, the bias and the racial disparities, I think people sometimes don't realize how truly unequal they are. And I really appreciated Jim Mooney for what he said. He seemed to be very genuine genuine and introspective and sometimes you can't see that until it's right in front of you yeah. and it was right in front of them because Jim Mooney even saw it I almost felt like I was watching him learn a lesson right in yeah. front of my eyes yeah and I felt like that hurt him and he was like oh yeah this is what we're talking about this was a black trans person you know for so many reasons and then here is you know a cute perky white girl and Sage's mom was like I don't take a minute of that search and rescue away from that Hannah's mom yeah she needs that she deserves that but so does my daughter absolutely you know that really really broke my heart in November 2015 three years after Sage's disappearance Charlottesville police make an announcement. They no longer consider Eric McFadden to be a suspect in Sage's case. Despite his lack of cooperation and shifting story, police determine that McFadden's digital footprint from the night Sage went missing doesn't line up with a person involved in criminal activity. So they explain that like his online goings on didn't really line up with how Sage possibly went missing because I thought this was a really, really weird explanation because they said Eric was on his computer from 11 at night till three in the morning off and on. And he wasn't like searching anything suspicious, like how to get rid of a body or, right. you know, how to run away or how yeah. to make yourself disappear. I was like. That feels like real uh, odd. Like, how do you know it was him? What if someone, I don't know. That felt really obtuse to me. Well, they also said, you know, he didn't even have his own apartment. He was living in an apartment shared with other people that was not his. Also, he didn't have a vehicle. Yeah. So how would he, didn't he even have, have a driver's license? Yeah. Actually. So how would he have disposed of someone's remains? Yeah. You know, so he didn't have the means to commit a crime like this, well, in their opinion. Hang 
going on there? So January 2016, they get a call from about 300 miles away. They said there was a sighting of Sage. So they go to where the sighting was and like the door opens and it was like, oh, hello. And it was Shakira. Her roommate, Shakira. Yeah. And they were like, she was like, what a coincidence. And they were like, it is a coincidence. Also, can we ask you a couple questions? Yeah. And Shakira was like, yeah, absolutely. Now that you're here, did you take a really hard, good look at Aubrey Carson, you know, our other roommate? Because she did a lot of weird things. I was like, you mean like using her fucking credit card and saying that's just how they were? Not just that. She was using Sage's wigs. Yeah. And like stuff. Yeah. That is very, very fucking weird. It is. If somebody has been missing for a couple weeks and you're going in their room and using their stuff. Yeah. Like they're not coming back. I don't know. It's deeply uncomfortable. And so police also speak to Sage's stepsister, Kiara. And she says, you know, to me, it seemed like Aubrey and Sage were kind of jealous of each other and always competed with each other. Yeah. And uh, and she said more so Aubrey was jealous of Sage. They also said that Aubrey said that she hadn't really met Eric McFadden. Remember at the very beginning, she's like, oh, I bumped into him on Main Street that one day. But that was actually a lie. Actually, she was seen with Sage and Eric the Saturday before she went missing. Right. So they were like, do you know him or do you not know him? Exactly. And also, that being so close to the time that Sage disappeared, that's not something you would forget. Yeah. It's a huge red flag. Yeah. So March 2017, remember when they told Eric that he wasn't a person of interest anymore? They were like, maybe he is? Hold on. Hold tight. So maybe he's not so much as a suspect As he is a witness. Yes, yes. And they had been texting, dating, it doesn't matter. They had some kind of a relationship for weeks. Yeah. Uh, If you could bring peace to someone's family, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. If you could clear your name, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And this family is heartbroken. And they're grieving. And Papa Dean says... If your child come on and say that they live in a, a different type of lifestyle, don't be so quick to be judgmental. Sit down and talk to him and have an open line of communication. Because, you know, it's sad that I said the things I said to my child. And, you know, the family ends by saying no matter how you feel about the way Sage chose to live her life, because they understand that, you know, there are some people who aren't evolved humans please just help us. It's still our family member. She's still someone's child. So all to say this is still an open case. So anyone with information about Sage and about where Eric McFadden is, because we still do not know where he is, you are asked to call the detectives in Charlottesville at 434-970-3373. There is also a $20,000 reward for information that could lead to an arrest or lead to where Sage is. So I'm going to tell you some other things that weren't covered in the case, but obviously we touched on that. There is a horrible pattern of hate crimes against transgender and gender non-conforming individuals and, you know, the inequalities and the prejudices that black trans women face is jarring. And I have, I just have a couple statistics. Black transgender people have an extremely high unemployment rate of uh, more than 26%. And black trans people have a 41% of experiencing homelessness. Black transgender people live in extreme poverty with 34% reporting household incomes of less than $10,000 a year. And, you know, facts don't lie. They are suffering at alarmingly high rates and not to mention bigotry and transphobia. Yeah. So if you are listening and you need support free of discrimination, please reach out to the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. 24-7, they're available, and that's 855-624-7715. And there are so many organizations, if you have the means to donate, places like the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, the Emergency Fund, the Okra Project. You know, they all deliver different things from, you know, shelter, therapy, medical care. And, you know, there's one thing that I want to point out about the case that wasn't brought up. So November 19th, 
the Monday. It was Shakira's 19th birthday. And they had a party back at their apartment. And there was like some fight over a man. You know, he did this and she did that. And it was involved a man named Jamal Smith. And Jamal Smith and Sage actually got into a fight. An oh. actual altercation, a fist fight. And at 11.20 that night, Jamal Smith filed a report that Sage had damaged his car. No one was arrested. Now, Shakira says that fights happen, you know, in late night and things like that. But something about this felt different. And later that night, Jamal Smith tweeted, been disrespected to the point of no return. I could not find any evidence that Jamal Smith had been investigated, but there are several threads everywhere on certain articles and blogs that speculate that maybe they are looking in the wrong place with Eric McFadden. I don't know if Eric McFadden did it, but he knows something because why'd you run, son? Yeah. That's all I know. I mean, listen, maybe they're living their happy ending and they fell in love and they went to go be away from judgmental people. Maybe they're in New York. Maybe they're in San Francisco. But based on Sage's so social media, she seemed very out and proud. Yeah. I don't think that she was about to run from her family who clearly were everything yeah. to her. I don't think that that Not was going to happen. Not Grandma Cookie. No. Grandma no. Cookie is she a dumb do bitch. She will be teaching classes at DBU, not only in Don't Fuck With My Trans Granddaughter, but also in Hair Braiding, because those braids were on fire, Grandma <laughs> Cookie. Say something funny. Oh, the secrets I'm taking to my grave would curl your hair. Tell me won't tell you. Please. No. Bow, 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 ba-da-da. I really can't believe that this is a, I really thought I knew everything. That was, that's really naive of me to think I know everything. Well, now I'm just going to text you all and be like, is it this? Is it this? Are you mad at me? Is that the secret? Thank you, down bitches. Oh, Poor beautiful Sage. Sage. She was so beautiful and seemed to be full of life. We hope that their family finds some peace and some answers. Yeah. Please join us on our Facebook group, the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. You can also follow us on TikTok at Obsessed with Disappeared and on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. We love interacting with you. Yeah, we do. You can also find Ellen on Instagram at Ellen Marsh. And you can find me at It's Joe. Joey Taranto. We have a good time. We try to respond to everybody. We so really do. Message us. We have the best community. And we do. by the time you hear this, we'll probably be back from Columbus, Ohio. So we can't wait. I hope we had fun. Did we do well? We had a great fucking time. I can't wait. And if you're feeling spicy, please jump on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. And please tell people why you like us and why you have a good time and tell them how much we love what we're doing. And we hope to continue doing it. It just helps people find our podcast. And we just love Love you so much. Bye. Are you going to be able to get through this episode? I on honestly, we will see. We will see. And I feel like you're mocking me for that matter. I will say you are dressed very cute today. Oh, I love your outfit. Wow, that's a fir- you guys. Somebody write this Don't down. Don't you say that? Write down, I tell you, you look cute all the fucking write time. Write down the date and the time, and you didn't say I was in a pilgrim dress and peekable shoulders. Yeah, and someone comes forward, and it's actually Serena and Venus's cousin. She's a she plays. It, she played. Erase this. <laughs> Erase me from this whole episode. Erase me from every episode that ever happened. Steve, could you get the promo code for better help? Steve. <laughs> I said something today to Lola, and I and she said Joey. I said Joey, my Joey, and Lola goes, uh, Joey, my Joey. Oh wow! I'll take that. Don't bring her to my house. Um, but <laughs> don't touch that. <laughs> Do not touch. I just painted those that. walls. Don't put your crusty fingers Don't on even look walls. at it. Did you eat Cheetos today? <laughs> Did you eat Cheez-Its today? Don't touch my walls. Can you just edit that so that when we when, when he teaches his mansplaining course, we can just give examples? Thank you, Jennifer. Um, 